0: It's time for sports rap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave,
1: thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's
0: cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel. More ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing SportsCenter tonight. with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, as good as this show is,
2: <laughs> quite the opposite story for Detroit Tigers. I mean, my goodness! Uh, I, once again, they lose today, four to nothing. Uh, they are uh, have lost nine of their last ten. They can't hit the baseball, uh, and and you know at least we've got some competent pitchers on this staff. Uh, most notably, Spencer Turnbull will get the ball uh, tomorrow uh, against the Royals. But Mike, I mean, look, look. It's tough when you're losing guys like Miguel Cabrera, who you at least hope to give you some sense of stability in the middle of the order. So when he went out, obviously, you're gonna miss that presence. But then, you know getting him back today, you're gonna work, slowly work him back in. But these other guys leading up to uh, to today's game, you look at Jamer Candelario five for thirty three with eleven strikeouts, Willie Castro seven for twenty eight and seven strikeouts. Uh, over their last nine games, Robbie Grossman seven for thirty ten Ks. Wilson Ramos five for thirty two six strikeouts. Nico Goodrum five for twenty six and twelve. Jonathan Scoop four for twenty. I mean, you you get the picture here. I mean, and and the the uh, the guy who we at least were putting some sense of hope here, and in, in, uh, Nick Roddy. Uh, good. Uh, good evening to you, Akil Badu. Three for twenty-three with fifteen Ks over the last ten games. So, uh, the 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 hitting on this team is absolutely anemic. they've got no offense whatsoever. Nope.
1: I mean, I hate to look at the bright side. Their pitching's been good. I don't know what you expect from these offensive guys. I mean, yeah. What were our expectations coming in? Were we expecting low. AJ Hinch, and the coaching staff, and the no, A hitting coach no. to really make these guys into something they're not.
2: No, but I think, I think, you know, fans are looking for some sort of I don't know if improvement's the right word, but they're looking for. Some, I mean, are these guys awake? I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, and this is kind of what, what it brings it back to you know 2 years ago when this thing was you know kind of at the at the bottom level of where this rebuild was going to end up being it was a tough watch it's a tough watch to watch the tigers struggle like this uh, like you mentioned though at least you got some competent arms uh, coming out of your pitching staff
1: yeah past two games they've struck out 24 times they've drawn one walk and they have eight hits and I, one that, run that...
2: It, that, that's that's not major league in baseball. eighteen innings. I mean, th- that's not pro baseball. So I mean, I think you look at what what the the job that Al Avila is doing and and that what he's gonna need to do to get this thing righted because at at the moment this thing ain't right. It just ain't right. And and you're gonna need to get somebody in here that can hit the baseball. So I don't I mean look, I don't know. Do you start do you start dipping down into the minors at this point, Nick?
1: I don't think that's gonna matter. You like that? I I mean I th- I don't they, think so they either, finally but... gotta spend some money.
2: Well, for sure. I but I mean I, I don't I, I, I think don't Al need Avila to told
1: Brad Galley this like opening day, and it, the clip's been playing on Twitter a lot in the media. We gotta wait for our arms to come around before we spend on pitching. And it's like, okay, well, your arms are there.
2: No doubt. No doubt. But I mean, do, what else do we need to see out of Jacoby Jones? Three for for nineteen seven strikeouts. Nico Goodrum five for twenty six with twelve Ks. What what else do we need to see here? I, I mean, it's it's just it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. So that's there. And look, we're gonna be really football heavy today. We got a lot of football to cover today. Uh, you got the draft on Thursday. Uh, we're gonna talk to uh, one of the greatest linemen I think to ever play the game coming up in a little bit. Um, but I, I look. We're going to be really football heavy today. But there was some interesting baseball stuff. Obviously, the Tigers. It's just, it's just boring. It's ho hum. It's, it's unfortunate. But uh y- you hope that some of these young guys start to figure it out, start to to come around a little bit. You know, especially especially guys like Akil Badu, who at least you know, if you don't see him as being part of the future here, at least he'll have some trade value at some point. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And Nick, I don't know if you saw this. I think he did the, uh, the 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 situation that was unfolding between San Diego and L.A. last night. Uh, so it, it was, I don't know. I thought it was fun. You, you, Trevor Bauer, who now pitches for the Dodgers, uh, hosting the Padres last night, and it was Trevor Bauer who said, coming off of Cy Young year, really good pitcher, coming out saying, "Look, sometimes I got to pitch with one eye closed." because it's it makes it more fun for me. Basically saying he's he has his way with batters constantly. So he says, look, sometimes I close my eye when I throw the ball. It's fun. So last night, Fernando Tatis and his gigantic contract uh, took Trevor Bauer to the yard, and then as he's rounding the bases on his way to second base, he throws up his hand to cover his eyes and says, look, I can hit one too with only one eye. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It was really compelling. And then afterwards, of course, Trevor Bauer is going to be asked about it because what happens when you see that in baseball, when you see that, that over embellishing celebration, what do you see next? You get thrown at. You get, you get pitched at. And Trevor Bauer, to his credit and Trevor Bauer, I mean, look, if you've ever really listened to. Trevor Bauer, some of the things he's not my cup of tea. He's a little, uh, he's a little arrogant, little, uh, you know, I I don't know. He's never been my cup of tea, but he said, look, I love it. I love it. I got no problem with them celebrating. I got no problem with them being excited for hitting the major league, you know, fastball. And I, and, and finally, finally, I agree with Trevor Bauer. I thought it was exciting. So, and then Fernando Tatis that took Clinton Kershaw uh, two times out of the park uh, the night before. Yep. I think
1: he hit a second one a yesterday, weekend.
2: too. So, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? Was celebrating do you think we're going to yeah get a change of, uh,
1: change of attitude in baseball? Because we never really hear that from pitchers. Like you said, if, if someone celebrates too hard or has a too emphatic bat flip, they get thrown at oh. the next time.
2: I'll tell you what, There is, there are, are very few things in sports that I love more than an overly emphatic bat flip. <laughs> I Send that thing into the upper deck. Bryce yes. Harper
1: had a great one last week, too. Yes, but
2: he did. Do you
1: think that yes, it's going to change things? If guys like Trevor Bauer accepts it more, do you I
2: you think, think it's a change think, in
1: baseball or just a one-off?
2: Yeah, I think there's a good chance of it. I think there is a good chance of it because I think, look, baseball, there's this old guard, there's these unwritten rules. Uh, For me, this is what, this is what's exciting. Like let's send them and send the bat with them. I'm all about it. All right. We got lots more to come on sports wrap coming up today. Uh, We're going to be joined by uh, one of my favorite people. I think on planet earth. Uh, Lomas Brown will join us. We're going to hear all about him coming out of Florida, what it was like for him on draft night. And then look as, as the color voice for, uh, the Detroit lions, we'll get his take on what he sees from this team and what he expects them to do Thursday night in round one. All right. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy here with you on sports prep. We'll see you in a couple minutes.
0: You're the co-host on WJR's Sports Rep. Sports Rep. Give us a call. And tomorrow we'll be at uh, Grand Blanc, Warwick Hills, for the Pro-Am. And the state of Michigan has gone absolutely bananas over Tiger mania now back to more sports rap 1000 people today at 7am to watch Tiger Woods at a practice round presented by FanDuel download the FanDuel sports app today FanDuel more ways to win I haven't seen this many guys thrown out of anywhere since Dime beer night at the local tavern here's Chris
2: you know there aren't many occasions where uh, an NFL organization can just change the course of their history And I don't think that the Detroit Lions back in 1985, that they were going to do that with their with their their first uh, overall pick, the the six overall pick in the first round by selecting a guy out of Florida. uh, Who was a Jacobs blocking trophy award winner in 1984 consensus All-American in 1984, first team All-SEC in 1984 and in the 1985 NFL draft, the Detroit Lions, with their six overall pick, selected Lomas Brown uh, <laughs> to lead the offensive line. And he joins us this evening. low it's so good to see you. How are you, man? I'm great. What up, fellas?
3: <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's Sunday. Like I said, I just left a bridal shower. My middle daughter's okay. getting married. So I'm full of sweets, and I'm ready to go. Just oh, so, you,
2: ready. so there you go. So, yes. look, I, I think, uh, obviously, there, there are so many differences. And, look, I'm not trying to date you, but I'm just saying, between 1985 and 2021, the draft has changed a little bit. Uh, and and certainly, guys, uh, you know, going to New York, well, not this year and last year, but, you know, going to New York, being on in the stage, going to shake Roger Goodell's hand, things have changed a little bit. What was your uh kind of uh you know plan leading up to draft day. And obviously you knew you were gonna be uh highly selected here but but what was it what was your plan kind of for draft day what was what did you what did you do?
3: Well really for me and then back then it was twelve rounds and it started uh you know it was early. It was early in the morning. I think the draft might have started like eight or nine o'clock in the morning. So I didn't have a lot of plans. My daughter I had an infant daughter, my uh oldest daughter was uh, with me, so she's probably about two years old, if that. So we, we didn't really have a lot of plans, Chris. And I, the thing about that, I remember what makes my um, uh, choice so re- memorable was because, you know, I had never spoke to the Lions. Chris, I'm telling you, leading up, I heard from Philly. I heard from Cleveland. I heard from about four or five other teams but the Detroit Lions never, were never on the radar. And two picks before they picked me, they called me and said, if this happens and that happens, we're going to draft you. And I'm sitting up there dumbfounded because, I, like I said, I had never heard any inkling from the Detroit Lions that I might be their draft pick. So, you know, it, it turned out that the things that they said, if happened, they they certainly happened. And uh, Detroit picked me with the sixth pick in the draft. So, um, and, and I'm glad. I, I really am because my choices was Green Bay. It was Cleveland. It was Philadelphia. And it was one other team that had really, really pursued me. So I got a chance to get to the Motor City, man, my first time up that way. So it, it, it was something else, the 1985 draft. And it was a great draft class that I went in with Bruce Smith going first. Yeah uh you had Bill Frelick uh was the third pick I think you had Ray Childress the second pick Dwayne Bickett Hall of Fame Chris Doleman uh, Jerry Rice was in our draft class so we had some great great players in that draft class
2: of 85 So l- let me ask you this then after they selected you did they give you any kind of look into what they were I mean obviously they they were they were you were high on their list but uh, not having any communication with them, did they give you any explanation? did they not wanna did they not want to tip other teams off
3: that they were excited about you? Well they wanted a linebacker. That's why they were going to either take Dwayne Bickett or take Chris Dolman. They were in the they were looking for a linebacker and just so happened, like I said, Indianapolis uh took Dwayne Bickett and uh, Minnesota took Chris Dolman before they drafted. Mm-hmm. So I guess the big fella, I guess I was the consolation prize left over there, Chris. So
1: what happened next? So you were picked early on in the day. Did they fly in that next day? Did they wait a while? What happened?
3: No, uh, Nick, the next day they had me, uh, you know, they were telling me after the draft, okay, we want you in the next day. Uh, So they flew me in. And let, let me tell you how times have changed since you said 1985 compared to 2020. So I'm at the airport, Detroit Metro Airport. I go downstairs to the baggage claim to get my bag. And I see a guy standing there with one arm. And I'm like, I know this guy's not here for me. Uh, And just so happened, he sees me. He walks over. It's Mark Glenn, the equipment manager. And he was like, I'm here to pick you up and, you know, take you to the facility. So I grabbed the bag since he only had one arm. I grabbed my own luggage, and I'm dressed to the T, Nick. I got on my green suit. I'm looking fly, Nick, looking real fly. So he takes me, and we're walking and walking and walking, and I'm like, oh, my God, where are we going? So we finally get to the parking lot, and he has a hoopty. I'm talking about when I say a hoopty, the bottom of his car is rusted out. I mean, it's a hole in the bottom of his car. And I'm like, wait a minute. So he was like, I threw my bag in there, and we took the ride from Detroit Metro Airport to the Pontiac Silverdome in April now. So you know it's cold. You know it's cold there. And I'm just freezing, man. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is this how they treat their first-round pick? I mean, have a one-arm guy in a hoop to come pick me up. That was my first experience with the Detroit Lions. I'm so thankful everything else went a lot better than it did from that first day when they came and picked me up from Metro Airport. What was
2: Okay, all right. So so you, 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 look, April for us here ain't that cold. We we are we are out in <laughs> shorts and t-shirts in April if you're from Michigan. But you were a Florida guy, Absolutely. Uh, you know, born and bred in Florida. Uh, what was your hesitation? I mean, look, you, you talked about Cleveland, you talked about Green Bay, talked about Philly. These are all very cold northern cities. Uh, what was your? What was your? I mean, were you excited to come play in the cold? You were playing in, you know, high humidity down in the in the Everglades.
3: You know, I had to build up that excitement because even when Daryl Rogers was on the phone telling me, Lomas, uh, we're gonna pick you in the draft. Even after they picked me, I think I was in a state of shock. Because like, I, don't any, I don't have any I don't have I don't have a winter coat. I know oh, that was one of the problems too but he asked me aren't you happy to be a lion and I hesitated and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know I had to snap into it that I was gonna finally be in the NFL but I never thought Detroit and back then Chris, you got to realize Detroit I think that year and you might have to look this up but in 85, I think we were the murder capital that year. Um, you know, it was like I say, you said it was shorts weather for people that are from Michigan. For me, that was long coat, scarf, skull cap, gloves weather for me because I'm a Florida kid. I'm a Miami bred kid. So I had never been in any cold like that before. So it was a total adjustment for the big guy. But Hey, man, it was a welcome adjustment once it worked I got out settled you. Yes, yeah, it, it worked did. out for you. Yes, it did. Hey,
2: uh, obviously, the, the, this team needs a lot of – they need a lot of positions. And they need a lot of guys um, that are going to be pretty impactful right away. Um, I'd love to know kind of who you have your eye on this. that this team is going to take uh, at number seven on Thursday night.
3: Well, of course, you know, I like to lean towards the big fellas. Um, And I'm just hoping that Pinay Sewell, I'm hoping that the big guy falls, which I don't think he is. I I really think that Cincinnati's going to get that guy to try to help out uh, Joe Burrow. But for me, I think we need to look defense. You know, I I really do. The defense, especially over these last three years under uh, Matt Patricia, I mean, our defense has just been terrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, we've been bad. We haven't been able to stop anyone. And I just think either it's been the scheme that hadn't fit the draftees that we drafted or, you know, they just didn't do their homework on some of the players that we've acquired. But that Micah Parsons, man, he sounds like he's a player, even though we didn't get a chance to see him play this year, seems to be a high motor guy that's all over the field. And I, I just think. You know, if we don't get the big fella, you know, and everybody is talking about receivers, getting some more toys for Jared Goff to throw to. But I do think if you get Pene Sewell, if you're able to run the ball, pick up necessary first downs, just keep the clock moving and keep your opponent's offense on the sideline, I think you could have just as much success on the offensive side of the ball without having to have that impact player or that speedster or the guy that can stretch the defense. I really think that, you know, if they go that way, they can control the ball. But for me, I think you have to look at defensive help. And um, like I say, Michael Parsons is a guy that just jumps off at me and a guy I think that could be put in at a much-needed position right now, which is the linebacker position and the rush-in position.
2: I'll tell you, Lo, for a guy who's uh, in a in a strong sugar coma coming out of a – out of a, a a wedding shower here, uh, that's pretty good analysis. <laughs> hey, Lomas, uh, Lomas Brown, always appreciate talk with you, man. Uh, it's so good to, to to talk with you and see you. And uh, looking forward to Thursday night. I know a lot of Lions fans are going to be excited to see where this team goes. So I appreciate you
3: Hey, good luck to you, fellas. Y'all, you guys are doing a great job.
2: Thanks, all love. right, Lomas. Well, There he is, Lomas Brown, uh, the uh, color commentator for the Detroit Lions radio network and former uh, all around. Uh, star player for this team. All right, we got football with the Lions. Now we got football with Michigan State. Spring game yesterday. We'll talk about that coming up next.
0: Now back to more sports rap. Let's take you now to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are... No longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Redwick.
2: All right, coming up uh, just after 645, we'll shoot for maybe 648 or so. Nick and I will give you our uh, predictions for Thursday night. Lions, seventh overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, we'll give you our thoughts on on where they think, where we think they're going to go. Um, I think there's a lot of options for them. And, uh, you know, uh, Lomas Brown talked about the big guys up front, whether it's Penny Sewell. Uh, whether it's uh, you know Rashad Slater is another guy that that seems to be uh, in a in a place where you know it, perhaps the Lions could could go that route. They could certainly trade back. Although I think we need to go under the assumption that, that they're going to pick at seven. Um, and if they trade back, well, uh, you know, I we can't really predict trades, but I would suspect that that the movement is going to be a real possibility now. Whether or not they decide to go offense, whether or not they decide to go defense, it, it, it's tough to tell. There's a lot of offense uh, on the front part of this draft, a lot of high-end, skillful offensive players. So we'll see how it how it shakes out, and we'll have our picks for you coming up, uh, like I mentioned, at about six forty-eight or so. Um, the other thing that was that happened uh, this weekend uh, was uh, in East Lansing. You talk about. What has gone on at Michigan State with Mel Tucker obviously coming in extremely late in the process last year, now then having to deal with COVID all season? Um, and it's not that he was the only coach or, or you know, program having to deal with COVID, but the fact of the matter is he came in really late, and then you pair that with COVID, there was just real no prep time for Mel Tucker. Um, well, they had their, uh, we'll call it in quotes, quote unquote, spring game. Uh, at Spartan stadium and, and look, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to get a whole lot out of these, uh, spring games where it's essentially a glorified practice, but it, there are some interesting storylines developing under Mel Tucker. And look, I, I was skeptical of the Mel Tucker hire. It didn't seem like that Michigan state, the, the Mel Tucker was Michigan state's first option. Um, and so I, have been skeptical of Mel Tucker and what he can do now It seems to me that he's got this program moving in a positive direction. It was harder at times to see that last year. Got a big win over Michigan. And no matter where you're at in a program, in terms of strength of program, you beat the rival down in Ann Arbor, it's a good day. So uh, he was already off to a good good foot with Michigan State fans. But look, I think the most intriguing storyline, and and we're going to talk about it here Uh, with Matt Charbonneau, who's the uh, Michigan State beat writer for the Detroit News. Um, It's the situation that is unfolding at quarterback, and Matt's with us. Matt Charbonneau, how are you?
4: Gentlemen, good. How are you
2: doing? It's good to talk with you, obviously. Look, I I mentioned a couple minutes ago, you're not going to really glean much out of these quote-unquote spring games, right? It's 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 a glorified practice where you're able to have some fans there. Um, and certainly, I'm sure Mel Tucker was excited to see the green and white faithful in the stands. But uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to gain a whole lot of insight into w- what is really happening at these at these position groups. But I think the 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 one that is going to have the most eyes on it is at the quarterback spot, where you got Anthony Russo, who's the Temple uh, grad transfer, and the 30 year sophomore Peyton Thorne battling it out for that. Uh, that QB one spot, what'd you see out of those guys yesterday?
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously you're right. That, that's the position. I mean, look, there's position battles all over this, this roster. That we're going to be looking at clearly. And I, you know, what we saw yesterday, you're right. It's not a scrimmage. There wasn't a ton of ones versus ones, but I think what you saw was at the very least, this is a pretty close battle between both those guys you mentioned. Um, obviously Peyton Thorns in his third year in the program. So, you know, second year under this staff, so he's got a little bit of an edge in terms of understanding the offense um over Anthony Russo, has been there since January. But you know, Anthony Russo started 26 games. Um, you know, he's played a lot, so he's got that. So it's it's really pretty close. I think you saw both guys make some good throws, um make some good decisions, and then you saw you know a couple of not not so great decisions. I think Peyton Thorne had one where he got intercepted enough that he probably should have made, but. I really think you saw Peyton Thorne showing that leadership, that command of the offense, that presence in the pocket. Um, I'm not saying Anthony Russo didn't. I just feel like Peyton Thorne had a little bit of edge there. But you got to wonder, how's this thing turn out in the fall? I mean, Anthony is a graduate transfer. He doesn't come here without the idea that at the very least going to have a good shot uh, to win this sure. starting job. But. You know, Peyton Thorne's not going to hand it over either. You know, you think about his first start last year at Penn State for 300 plus yards, three touchdowns. I mean, this kid's got something, too. So, you know, I, Mel Tucker's been very coy about this time, who's really got a lead and hasn't really given us much. What I think we can gain from what we saw yesterday and talking to them throughout the spring is this thing's going to go well into preseason camp. We may not even know till right before they take the field of that opening at Northwestern which guy's going to start. Because um, I think it's that close, and I think we we saw evidence of that yesterday.
2: One of the knocks against Mark D'Antonio at, at times throughout his tenure was his his kind of uh, coyness in terms of naming a starter, staying, sticking with a starter. There were a lot of years where you were seeing some some you know multiple quarterbacks play per game. Is that something that you would, are getting the indication that Mel Tucker would participate in, or is he going to pick a guy and roll with him?
4: Well, I don't think he I – I certainly don't think he wants to. I'm not sure many coaches want to uh, have that, you know, going that way. I think, you know, I'll go back to 2013. I think you're right when, you know, that season started and it was Andrew Maxwell to start and Connor Cook was, you know, got a couple starts in there. Even Tyler O'Connor got some time before they finally, you know, settled in on Connor Cook. And he obviously ended up being the right choice that year. Uh, but then I think, you know, back to before 2017, it was December when he told everyone Brian is my starter um so i i think most coaches and i think mel tucker's the same he wants somebody to step up and take that job i don't think he at all wants to go into the start of the season being unsure and thinking he's got to play two guys i think when you see that what that tells us is one guy hasn't really stood out above the other and that doesn't necessarily mean you know neither are doing well sure but they that, that's what these guys are looking for is is that one guy to be clearly clearly the guy to go with um you know I, Will we know that? Will Mel Tucker and his staff know that before the the start of the season? That that I don't know. Right now it feels to me like this is something that's going to go well into preseason camp. Who knows? Maybe by a couple weeks into camp he knows who that guy is.
3: Um, Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to tell
4: us. Um, But for for everything, if if things are going well for Michigan State, if it's going how they want, the guy they named for the start of that opener is the guy that clearly is going to be the guy the rest of the year. If, If we see it going back and forth, uh, it, it might not go as well for this offense as yeah. probably they're hoping for.
2: Yeah, and, and what else caught your eye yesterday in terms of uh, position groups or, or specific players outside that quarterback spot? Certainly, yeah,
4: certainly on the offense and, and the running back room. I mean, everyone knows how much this team struggled to run the ball, um, and it hasn't all been on the running backs. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the offensive line, and there were a few guys sure. out again yesterday with injuries, so that's been tough to see, but... Kenneth Walker, the transfer from Wake Forest, who's had 17 touchdowns in the last two years, he clearly showed that, that burst and that vision. You see him able to cut back and see the hole and hit it. He was very good there. Elijah Collins, a guy who two years ago was a leading rusher and then last year disappeared. We all didn't know why until he told us a couple weeks ago that he had COVID last year. He looked um, a lot more like the guy from two years ago uh, that we saw. And then Jordan Simmons, the kid who played well as a freshman last year, they're going to have three really, really good running backs uh, in that backfield, if that offensive line plays okay, this could be a running ta- running attack that you know comes alive again. And of course, they got players on the outside: Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, mm-hmm. a couple of receivers out there that can be difference makers. The, the other thing that stands out defensively, they're pretty good up front. They got a really good defensive line. A lot, lot of holes to fill in the back end: linebackers, thin cornerback, safety. There's some spots. Um, they're they're going to need this offense to kind of wake up and score some points because there's some holes to fill and that defense is going to be young in the fall.
2: Well, thankfully, it's only, uh, you know, end of April here. They got some time to figure this thing out uh, under second-year head man Mel Tucker. And, it, uh, look, I, again, I was a little uh, apprehensive about that hire, but I think he's got this thing moving in the right direction, and I'm excited to see where he takes this program. Uh, always good stuff. Matt Sharpen over at the Detroit News. Always appreciate your time. Thank you. You got it, guys. Yeah. All right, there he is, Matt Sharpen. All right, uh, more to come here on the show. We've got... Uh, Nick and I are going to give you who we think this Lions team's taking. Thursday night, probably just after, just before 9 o'clock. Seventh overall pick. We'll give our picks coming up next. We'll also talk to our friends, because coming up, spin on golf coming your way at 7 o'clock. So don't go anywhere. Still some stuff to do on Sports Wrap here on WJR.
0: Now back to more sports wrap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Redwick.
2: All right, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, round one, 2021 NFL draft. Uh, It's going to be a fun one. Look, I I think, uh, and, and Nick, for me, I'm working under the assumption as we make our picks here at seven overall that I'm going to pick at seven overall, right? Like if they trade down, they trade down, but I'm making my selection based on them picking at number seven. That's fair. Fair. Okay. I also think that based on the, some of the things we've read, some of the things we've talked about, I think it's obvious that Trevor Lawrence goes number one. I think Zach Wilson most likely going number two. And I think Mac Jones, probably going number three to San Francisco who traded with Houston for that pick. Fair enough. Yes. Okay. So now you've got Atlanta to deal with Cincy to deal with and Philly to deal with before you get to number seven uh, with Detroit. And I want to name a couple guys that I think are going to be around at that point, or at least they're going to make it out of that top three. And then there'll be some sort of, Uh, you know, they'll go in in that four to six spot. Justin Fields will be there. Trey Lance will be there, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. Jamar Chase, the receiver out of LSU, will be there. Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, the receivers out of Alabama, will be there. Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Micah Parsons. So all these guys are going to be there, okay, in some way or another. I am under the assumption as well that this team will not be picking a quarterback at number seven. I think the restructuring of Jared Goff's deal, I think the dead cap hit in year two of that restructure puts them in a, in a position to where he's going to be your quarterback in year two, and then after that, you can you can you can do away with him. So I don't think they're going quarterback here. And, and in terms of guys that are going to be able to make you know, dynamic plays offensively. Jamar Chase is is the guy, Jalen Waddell, your speedster. And I think you want to talk about the versatility that Kyle Pitts will provide from a, a, a kind of hybrid tight end receiver role, I think would be really valuable to this team. I don't know that the fans could wrap their heads around a tight end being taken at number seven overall. But for me, I, I kind of tend to agree with what Lomas Brown said earlier in the show. I don't believe Penny Sewell will be there at number seven. I think he's pretty much slated to go to Cincinnati uh, uh, just a, a couple of picks before. So I don't think Penny Sewell is going to be there. I do think, however, Rashawn Slater will be there at number seven. And with that pick at seven in the 2020 NFL draft, I am going to go on the fact that they're going to beef up that offensive line and go Rashawn Slater at number seven.
1: Well, this is boring because I agree with everything you just said. I think they're taking <laughs> Slater at seven. Uh, if they trade back, though, that's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Because he might not be there. Then you're into – do you get value from taking a quarterback if one of
2: those guys yeah. falls? Like, for me, at that point, the quarterback that I would be most comfortable taking is Justin Fields. And, I, and, and for me, again, you look at kind of the order and where this thing could shake out. Um, you know, you've got, you got outside of three, Atlanta four, Cincy five, Miami six. So Miami could, Miami will most likely be taking a receiver. And I believe Cincinnati will be probably going offensive lineman with, with Penny Sewell. So it's, it's what Atlanta wants to do in terms of Matt Ryan. Do they want to, do they want to, you know? Do they want to move on from Matt Ryan, or at least find somebody who next year that they can they can look to? So that's there for you. Um, but I, I'm going to go. Rashawn Slater's my guy. And, and coming up in a couple minutes, we got spin on golf. We got Jordan Young, Mike Faye, Brian Cairns. But uh, the the head man of it all, Sean Bollegian, will be leading the way. Shawnee, how are you?
5: Excellent. I, I. You know what, I Chris. I hate to be boring as well. I'm going to steal a thought from Nick Roddy. Listen, if if that's the way things play themselves out in the draft, I, I think Rashawn Slater's the pick. But the beautiful thing about this year and, and some of Brad Holmes comments the other day were we have no idea. And that's a great thing. And yeah. he's open for business and staying at seven isn't a bad option and moving in either direction. Although I don't expect them to move up, not with the draft capital that they have in the future. Um, Rashawn Slater is a fantastic pick there and there's enough value at wide receiver and, and linebacker in particular for the rest of the draft to address some of those needs. So um, I, I love that idea. I am not against that in any way, shape or form. And I know and Nick and I have talked about it a little bit
2: too. And, and, and the word coming out of Allen park is that they're not just going to grab a, a position of need. If they don't feel that that position is justifying in that spot, they're not going to take him. If they don't believe that Micah Parsons is the seventh best player in the draft, they're not going to take Micah Parsons if they don't trade back. At number seven, they don't find the value in Micah Parsons. And I find that incredibly refreshing. You're not trying to fit a need. You're going to try to find the best football player that's on the board.
5: I have I have some reservations about Micah Parsons, and I'm not even talking about some of the alleged because that's what it is off the field stuff. Do, do you know what I worry about? I look at it and I think to myself, is this Jared Davis 2.0? And look, mm-hmm. we all love Jared Davis, okay? But let's be honest. There were times that he was like a dog chasing cars out Especially on the field. Especially in coverage. Yeah, th- and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. by all accounts, Micah Parsons is a, a guy that's a two-down backer. You know, wh- he's not going to be able to do that coverage thing. Do you take a guy like that at pick number seven overall? Yeah. I think you can get comparable value later on in the draft, but there's a reason those guys are in war rooms and I'm on Streamyard.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, so, Nick, Nick, you're going with Slater too? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah? Yep. Sean Slater. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, very good. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, I know you guys. Uh, you guys got a, a a a chock full show coming up too, Zurich. Uh, over. Let's bring in Jordan Young, Mike Fay BC, Brian Cairns. Fellas, what's up? Who's going to protect Jared Goff? You guys forgot about
5: that. I mean, Rashawn a- Slater, baby. Rashawn Slater, that's yeah, going to get killed. <laughs> hey, is, is Doug Flutie still on the board? Yeah. Can, Can we Doug bring him He's there. We're running it back. Joe Montana? I mean, we <laughs> uh, need some versatility here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Alright, what's going on? What do you guys got coming up tonight? Well, we got the Zurich Right, mm-hmm. Zurich yeah. in uh, playoff fashion. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, Brooke Henderson wins the uh, LPGA Tour event. And um, I don't know what else is going on, Mike.
0: You got some rocket mortgage stuff. That rocket mortgage that stuff. Out. coming
5: yep. out, too. Yep. We'll oh, cool. I'm just Executive. watching uh, my fellow Canadian win here. The highlights, man, she got mm-hmm. up and down from everywhere mm-hmm. to win, Brooke Henderson. So that was pretty cool. We got uh the junior kickoff, the JM junior kickoff. Some exciting stuff there we're gonna talk about too. National Club Professional Championship as we speak on the golf channel live. And uh, S- somebody's throwing 40 million around too. I there's some a topic chill. of that. Well, and you know what? Where you going. guys don't get me going.
2: We are <laughs> in the presence of greatness right here. Oh one last him. Monday. We got
3: to oh, talk about Oh, oh I, thought looking, I thought you were looking at a picture on the wall behind BC.
5: Gordon <laughs> <laughs> Smith. No.
0: Yes, your own BC okay. went and in up. the pro pro. Good yeah. job.
5: Congratulations. Right. Yeah, we're just 10 weeks away. I mean, 10 weeks from now, we'll be wrapping up the uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, Jason Langwell is going to join us about uh, 730. Of course, he's the executive director of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So, I mean, I mean it's crazy say I was thinking about that today. I mean, it's going to be the 4th of July. It's going to be, you know, a wonderful day out there. and We're all going to be out there. And it's it's just 10 weeks away, man. It's creeping up on us.
2: I've heard that that uh, track down at DGC is playing really nicely right now uh, in the weeks leading up to that thing.
5: Uh, it's cool. It's going to be fast, firm. and uh, yeah. it, it, Let me tell you what. It didn't stop DeChambeau last year. <laughs> no doubt. It's, it's hard for us, but not for them.
2: Yeah, if, if you can hit it like he can, you, you certainly have an
5: advantage—a well, big, big advantage. <laughs> Chicks dig the long ball, is isn't that? I mean, Chris, really, isn't isn't that the thing? It's uh you know, you, you heard that for years of, of, about uh, baseball, and certainly it, it seems to be the case now in golf. So, um, so many different things going on. I mean, that's what's fun about doing a show like this—is you know, we we get to go all over. The links, so to speak, to see what's going on everywhere on and off the links. I, I can't wait to get BC's take on this $40 million up for grab because he's, when I, when I hear him moan like that, I know that radio gold's coming. That, that's, that's, that's the voice hope. of reason is I broken. I hope <laughs> Eric has got his finger on it. <laughs> All
2: right, well, we're tuning you guys up. We're getting ready. Spin on golf coming your way at 7 o'clock here on WJR. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Have yourself a wonderful week, and we'll be back with you next Saturday at 6 o'clock here on WJR. Uh, And, uh, look, we're going to break it all down. Lions taking who at number 7? We're going to break it down for you. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next weekend here on Sports Wrap on WJR.